So we've been working through the book of Proverbs. Uh, we've been seeing that Solomon is, is giving counsel to his son, so that his son would live a wise life. And just a reminder, wisdom in, in Proverbs in some ways is, is skill in living. It's, it's living rightly in the world. And in some ways, uh, we might even say that Solomon is describing uh, what a successful life would look like for his son. And perhaps you've heard uh, this statement before by Mark Twain, that the dictionary is the only place where success comes before work. And that's essentially what Solomon is reminding his son of this evening. That if you are going to have a life that is actually fruitful, a life that is successful, that you need to embrace diligence and avoid sloth and laziness. If we would open up to Proverbs chapter 6. Proverbs 6, and we're going to be looking at verse 6. I mentioned last week we're in the middle of a section in this chapter in which Solomon, I, I think, ties three things together but has three separate categories he's looking at. Last week we talked about someone who became surety uh, for a neighbor, someone who uh, foolishly put himself in a, in a bad financial situation. Uh, this evening we'll be looking at the sluggard and the, or the slothful person or the lazy person. And again, I mentioned this last week, I think we were seeing a progression of sorts. Uh, last week he began, as he often did, in saying, my son, now he doesn't address his son. Now he addresses the sluggard or the slothful person directly. I think, obviously, the assumption is his son's going to listen in, and his son's going to learn from what he has to say. But it's largely a warning against someone who is slothful or is a sluggard. Proverbs 6 and verse 6, Go to the ant, O sluggard. Observe her ways and be wise, which having no chief, officer, or ruler, prepares her food in the summer and gathers her provision in the harvest. How long will you lie down, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest? And your poverty will come in like a vagabond and your need like an armed man. I think there's two broad sections in this passage. The first is a call to the sluggard to learn, to embrace diligence, to learn the importance of hard work. And we find that in verses 6 to 8. It begins with three commands. Go to the ant, observe her ways, and be wise. Which may have been an effort in the sense uh, for Solomon to kind of get this person's attention and get him moving. But let's, start, let's start doing something here. Go, observe, and learn. And the observe is certainly the idea of, of look in order to learn. And what does the ant teach? Well, verse 7, I, I think he's to learn the importance of initiative. That the ant is a self-starter who works even without someone constantly telling him to work, or telling her to work, is actually the language that's used. Which having no chief, officer, or ruler. There's no one in charge. There's no one organizing it. There's no one saying, this is your job. Get going. The ant just does it. The ant understands the importance of being diligent, and the ant is a self-starter. And that's certainly a, a, a rebuke to many of us in our day. 
Perhaps you have worked in this situation. I hope that you are not this kind of person. That all of a sudden, the manager or the boss comes around and, and everyone starts getting busy. And the boss leaves and everyone just kind of relaxes again. Or, or perhaps, I remember I worked for a company in which the boss took off early and everyone else took off early, except for the one person who was going to stay to punch everyone's time clock at the end of the day. And, and offered to, to do it for me as well. And I knew, knew well enough at the time to decline uh, that, that offer. The ant doesn't work like that. It doesn't just work when someone's over his shoulder, but is diligent, even with no chief or ruler. And the second lesson that the sluggard is to learn is found in verse 8, that the ant has foresight, that the ant prepares her food in the summer and gathers her provision in the harvest. That in a sense, the ant knows I'm going to need this food later on, even though I don't need it right now, I'm going to gather and store it. I'm not waiting until I'm in need I'm working so that I won't be in that situation. I'm preparing in advance. I'm gathering even before I actually need this food, in part because this is the right time to do it. In the summer, in the harvest, I think there's an indication here that this is when you're supposed to be working. This is when you're supposed to be gathering your food. And so you work when it's the time to work. We, we have a phrase you've probably heard before, that you make hay while the sun shines. This is the opportunity. This is when you need to, to, to do what you need to do. And the ant understands that. And so the ant is gathering her food in the summer and gathering her provision in the harvest. And so Solomon here begins with a lesson for the sluggard, for the slothful person, the lazy person. Embrace diligence. Go, even look at what the ant does, and be wise. Follow the wisdom that you see. But then in verses 9 to 11, there is a warning. That if you do not embrace diligence, you should expect destitution. I want to take a little bit of time this evening just to to look more broadly at what Solomon in the book of Proverbs, others who who wrote in the book of Proverbs, uh, have to say about the sluggard. We see... Even in this section, verse 9, the sluggard is someone who loves sleep. How long will you lie down, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. That question, how long will you lie down, is, is, I think, an interesting question. Because the question isn't, are you ever going to get up? Because this slothful person would probably say, well, yeah. The question isn't, are you ever going to do it? The question is, well, when are you going to do it? When are you going to start working? And what's the answer? I think the answer is in verse 10. Later. Sometime. Because instead, there's going to be a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. And and you'll see if you have the NASB, that's in quotations. And I think that's right. This is probably actually the response of the slothful person, the response of the sluggard, just, just a little bit longer. And, and certainly, if we look at what Proverbs says about the sluggard, the idea isn't, this is the time to sleep, and therefore it makes sense that he's sleeping. Instead, the assumption is, this is the time to work. 
This is the time to get busy. And you're still lying down. So when are you going to stop? And the answer is just a little bit more. Just a little. Just a little. And I don't think we should limit it to sleep. It might be just you know, one more episode. Just one more YouTube video. Just a few more stories. A few more updates. Just a few more swipes or clicks or, or one more level on this game. And yet this is, I think, a good reminder that it's usually not the big choices that end up setting us up for failure. It's the little ones. It's the small choices. It's the decisions made of instead of doing what we know we should do, we're doing something else. Many of those things, most of those things, I would say there's nothing wrong with sleep, there's nothing wrong with these things, there's nothing wrong with rest, but there's something wrong when it's keeping us from doing what we need to do. And we can fool ourselves into thinking it's just a little bit more. But the sluggard does so because the sluggard loves sleep. Go, if you would, to Proverbs chapter 26. Kind of like last week, we're going to do a decent amount of turning. We will come back to chapter 6. I want you to see more broadly what Proverbs teaches us about the sluggard. Chapter 26 and verse 14. As the door turns on its hinges, so does the sluggard on his bed. Just flipping back and forth. And, and, and I think perhaps the indication is, just like a door, when you open the door, it doesn't leave. It just kind of rotates and sticks right where it is. And the sluggard is, in a sense, hinged to his bed. When he moves, he doesn't get out of it. He just moves to the other side of it. Because he loves sleep. Verse, uh, chapter 19 and verse 15. Laziness casts into a deep sleep, and an idle man will suffer hunger. I think there, there might be an indication here in a sense that, that the laziness of the, the sluggard has, in a sense, now become an escape mechanism. That, that he sleeps and he avoids work because he just doesn't want to worry about it. It's so much easier just to close your eyes and pull the covers back over your head and act as if there's nothing really wrong. And so the sluggard loves sleep. And because he loves sleep, he's always going to put off what needs to be done. Go to chapter 20. Chapter 20 and verse 4. The sluggard does not plow after the autumn, so he begs during the harvest and has nothing. He doesn't do it when he's supposed to do it. He puts it off. And there comes a point in time in which once you put it off, it's too late. Now, you can't do it anymore. And so because he wasn't preparing for the harvest, when the harvest comes, he has nothing. Because he put off what he should have done. And even when he does start, he doesn't follow through. Go to chapter 12. Chapter 12 and verse 27. 
A lazy man does not roast his prey, but the precious possession of a man is diligence. And we see pretty consistently in Proverbs, the opposite of of sloth, the opposite of laziness is diligence, hard work. And I think the indication here is he hunted it, he got it, and it's sitting there ready to be cooked. But, you know, it's kind of a hassle to get the fire going. And so what ends up happening? Well, it just spoils. He started the job, but he didn't finish it. Or go over to chapter 19. Chapter 19 and verse 24. The sluggard buries his hand in the dish, but will not even bring it back to his mouth. I think this is intended to be almost comical. He's so lazy, he put his hand into the popcorn bag, but he can't get the energy to actually bring it back to his mouth. And so he's not even going to finish this simple task, this thing that would provide him sustenance. He's too lazy to actually follow through all the way. Because ultimately, he does not want to work. Go to chapter 21 and verse 25. The desire of the sluggard puts him to death, for his hands refuse to work. He just won't do it. And so he refuses to do that which would provide for him, and so his end result is going to be death. And again, I think there's this indication that he really refuses to to have any level of commitment. If you look, think back at chapter 6, you know, when... When are you going to get up? The answer is later. Later. When are you going to do this? Sometime. Because if you actually say a time, what are you saying? Now I'm going to be held accountable in some way. And so I'm not going to commit. I'm not going to say this is when it's going to get done. I'm just going to continue to say just a little bit more, just a little bit more. And as one commentator said, He does not commit himself to a refusal, but deceives himself by the smallness of his surrenders. He's not saying, I won't do it. Let's do it later. And so by inches and minutes, his opportunity slips away. And yet, if you ask this person, if you ask the lazy person, the sluggard, you say, don't you see that you're doing this? His answer is going to be, no, no, it's not a problem at all. Because he is great at providing rationalizations and excuses. Go to chapter 26 and verse 16. Twenty-six, sixteen. The sluggard is wiser in his own eyes than seven men who can give a discreet answer. You know, it's interesting... And one of the ironies of this is in chapter 6, essentially what Solomon's saying is, you sluggard, an ant is wiser than you. You could learn from this dumb insect. And yet the sluggard himself would say, no, I'm actually wiser than all these people. And this may not always be true, but I think there are certainly times in which people will not actually give an effort 
because they know if they actually will give an effort, that will prove whether or not they're actually capable of doing something. That it's easier to sit back and say, I could do that better. If I tried, I could certainly accomplish this. But if I don't try, I'll never find out I couldn't. And so the person who refuses to work easily fools himself into thinking he's better than all these other people. He's wiser. He would do it better if he had the opportunity. Probably not exactly what's going on, but last Sunday we had a whole host of people watching top athletes and many of them thinking, why couldn't they do something different? Whereas if we had the opportunity, we wouldn't have come close, right? Because in a sense, laziness is easy. But laziness deceives yourself into thinking that you are not in the situation you're actually in. I think, go, go to chapter 26. So you're here, go to look at verse 13. The sluggard says, there's a lion in the road. A lion is in the open square. And similarly, go to chapter 22 and verse 13. The sluggard says, there's a lion outside. I will be killed in the streets. In a sense, I I can't go out and do work. And, and, And the indication is not, yes, it's right outside your door about to pounce. The indication is there might be some type of risk and danger involved. So one person said, it'd be kind of like, I mean, I don't, should I really drive to work? I could get hit by a truck if I drove to work. And they said, well, could you? I mean, yes, it's a possibility. But that shouldn't keep you from doing the things you need to do. And yet, what does a lazy person do? Any excuse. Any reason. And they convince themselves Look at all those fools risking their lives with the lion out there instead of realizing they are the fool. And what's the result? Well, the result is lazy people make life difficult for others. Go to Proverbs chapter 10. Proverbs 10 and verse 26. Like vinegar to the teeth and smoke to the eyes, so is the lazy one to those who send him. It's an irritant. It's a frustration. If you ever put confidence, if you ever try to rely on someone who is lazy, it's so frustrating. Because you have to constantly get on them again and get on them again because they don't take initiative and they don't finish what they're supposed to finish. And they come up with all kinds of excuses as to why it cannot get done. And so inevitably, what do you do? I'm not going to give any kind of job to this person. And so the person ends up without work. Chapter 18 and verse 9. He who is slack in his work is brother to him who destroys. That potentially, I think what's being communicated here is that if you are not actively producing, you're functionally destroying. 
You're, you're not causing things to be better. So inevitably, you're causing things to be worse. And not only will that be true for others, it will be true for the lazy person as well. Go to chapter 15, verse 19. The way of the lazy is as a hedge of thorns, but the path of the upright is a highway. Imagine trying to walk through a hedge filled with thorns, and what's going to happen? It's not going to be comfortable. It's going to be painful. It's going to be difficult. And I think, in light of what we'll see in another passage, that the hedge of thorns is essentially there because the lazy person didn't clear them. The lazy person didn't do the things he needed to do in order to keep the highway clear. And so now he's facing the consequences of his choices. And we see a similar idea in chapter 24, verses 30 to 34. Twenty-four, verse thirty. I passed by the field of the sluggard, by the vineyard of the man lacking sense, and behold, it was completely overgrown with thistles. Its surface was covered with nettles, and its stone wall was broken down. When I saw, I reflected upon it. I looked and received instruction. And here he's saying essentially what he wants his son to do in chapter six: look at the sluggard and consider his ways and be wise. What did he learn? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. Then your poverty will come as a robber and your want like an armed man. That he did not address the issues as they came up and eventually it was overwhelming. It was all overgrown. Now it was not simple or easy. It was an overwhelming task. Go to Proverbs 12. Verse 24. 1224. The hand of the diligent will rule, but the slack hand or the lazy hand will be put to forced labor. Difficult life, a life that no one should want, and a life that ultimately is, is described as full of unfulfilled desires. Go to look at chapter 13 and verse 4. The soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing. But the soul of the diligent is made fat. And go over to chapter 21. Chapter 21 and verse 25. The desire of the sluggard puts him to death, for his hands refuse to work. All day long he is craving while the righteous gives and does not hold back. I think we probably could say, that in a sense, that the, the issue isn't that the sluggard had no desire. He did have desire. He has desires that ultimately aren't fulfilled because he didn't allow his desires to move him towards doing what he needed to do to properly meet them. That far too often, what happened with the the sluggard or the slothful person was he allowed the desire for immediate gratification to trump the desire she should have had for the better things and the more important things. 
And so he wanted a little bit more sleep, a little bit more slumber, more than he wanted to do the work he needed to ultimately fulfill the satisfaction and cravings he was going to have. And so he is, is now characterized by cravings and unfulfilled desires because he will be in a state of destitution. Look at chapter 19. Verse 15. Laziness casts into a deep sleep, and an idle man will suffer hunger. Go back now to chapter 6. Chapter 6 and verse 11. What happens in response to the, the, the slothful man, the sluggard, the lazy person saying, just a little bit more sleep, a little more slumber, just a little folding of the hands to rest? Well, your poverty will come in like a vagabond and your need like an armed man. And poverty there is, is the idea of complete destitution. You're in a state in which you are now a beggar. It's not just you have limited resources. You have none. And it comes in like a vagabond. Uh, you might have a translation that says robber. There's some debate about what that means. Um, certainly, uh, the indication is it's kind of someone who stumbles upon him and now claims it as if it's his own. And I think it's probably strengthened a little bit in the second phrase, your need like an armed man. Certainly, the indication here is this happens forcefully and quickly. The lazy person finds himself now in a state of utter poverty and destitution. And again, while it seemed like it happened all of a sudden, Solomon is saying, well, in a sense it happened little by little by little. Until there came a point in time in which now you were beyond hope. There was a season in which you were meant to work. And now that season has passed, and so you are now in a state of poverty. So what's the warning for us? Well, first, I, I think it is important for us to, to think about what we should be doing to help our children. I saw a phrase recently, you, you maybe have seen this before. I said, prepare the child for the path, not the path for the child. And there's a danger, I think, in, in our culture right now to basically say, I want to make life easy for my child. And so I'm going to, to remove challenges and remove hindrances so that it's not hard for them. But I think when we do that, we, we take away the opportunity for them to learn the value of hard work to learn the significance of actually having to labor to get what you want instead of having everything handed to you. And so as we are, are working with our children, we want to instill in them a good work ethic. And so certainly we should be praising and affirming initiative when we see our children taking it. When they begin to do something without us having to tell them to do it, to say, I'm so glad you took initiative here. I'm glad that you realized you needed to do this without being told. And potentially, begin to hold them accountable for not doing something without reminders all the time. 
That if you've asked them to do something, it shouldn't be, okay, I'm going to remind you again to do this and remind you again to do this. Because we're training them essentially to say, you need someone managing you to work. Instead of saying, learn to work without anyone managing you. To help them to learn the value of delayed gratification. But beyond our children, I think there is a a lesson for us. Certainly a lesson on the physical realm. That we should be people who realize the, the significance of hard work. And understand that if we don't work to provide for ourselves and our families, as Paul would say, that we're worse than an unbeliever. But there might also be a warning for us spiritually. So we'll turn to Hebrews chapter 6. We won't take time to look at this whole chapter. But at the beginning of this chapter, we, we see the author of Hebrews talking about the danger of, of staying in elementary things. Look at verse 1. Therefore, leaving the elementary teaching about Christ, let us press on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. And then he gives a warning, in a sense saying, there, there is a danger that you could come to a place in which now repentance is not possible. But in verses 9, he essentially says, that's not what true Christians are like, but beloved, we're convinced of better things concerning you. Things that accompany salvation. Things that, that go along with the reality of God's work in your life that we're speaking this way. For God is not unjust, so as to forget your work and the love which you've shown toward his name and having ministered and then still ministering to the saints. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence. And if I can say it this way, our spiritual life is also a life that requires hard work and diligence. That if we are going to have success spiritually, it only comes as we embrace diligence, as we embrace hard work, as we do the labors that are needed to spend time in God's Word, to spend time in prayer, to deny ourselves the immediate gratifications of sin, but instead to work hard towards that which is better that we would show the same diligence so as to realize the full assurance of hope until the end so that you will not be sluggish. You will not be lazy. You will not be spiritually slothful, but instead imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. God's people are people who embrace diligence in the physical realm. And there are people who embrace diligence in the spiritual realm. And if we do not, then we should expect destitution, both physically and spiritually. Let's pray. Father, I pray that we would heed the warnings that you give. It would help us not to, to waste the time, the energy, that you have given to us. May we be diligent, hardworking, upright. Lord, may we help our children and we encourage others here in our church to be diligent, but not only diligent in our physical labors, 
but diligent in our walk with you. We pray this in your Son, Jesus' name. Amen.